0: understanding of your eyes would be enlightened. Hey family, welcome back to the Root Work podcast with... Tiffany Malone I am excited that you're here today um for a couple of reasons um, it's not that I don't have anything else to do today but it is a snow day in the deep south right and so um, if you know anything about the south and snow we don't get along we don't make preparations for the snow we don't have like street sweepers and all that stuff that um our northern friends have and so all we really need down here is 0.00001 inch of snow and or ice to completely shut the place down right (laughs) because we are just not prepared and so we got maybe an inch or two of some weather and out of an abundance of caution. Everything is shut down. I'm talking schools. It's all it's all a wrap. So everybody's here in the house. And so we've done just about all the housework we're going to do. And we've just been sitting around, you know, kind of enjoying each other. It's It's kind of nice when this happens because it kind of grounds everybody for a little while and for a couple of days. So that's kind of where we are. What this, um, kind of snow day has given us an opportunity to do a couple things. First, you'll notice that the location has changed, and that's a kind of a decision that we made a little while ago. Um, it's just logistically more feasible um, to, to do the podcast here. And I think it's more aesthetically pleasing as well. I love to hear what you think though. So do feel free to let us know. We're also changing the release day. You'll notice that. So um, the podcast is now going to be coming out on Wednesday morning instead of Sunday. And so y'all will be... Um, looking forward to hopefully getting, um, the first notification that it'll, it'll be coming out on Wednesday now. So keep your ears to the ground and, and, uh, be on the lookout for that. But aside from that, snow days mean TV for me. (laughs) Anybody who knows me know, knows that I generally don't watch a lot of TV. Um, for a couple of reasons number one sometimes my self-control where tv is concerned is not the best and in this new era of streaming platforms where oh i don't know you could watch something like the blacklist and it has literally 99 episodes (laughs) i'm the girl that could get in trouble and could literally be like watching episode after episode, after episode, after episode. So sometimes what I have to do is just not engage at all. So I generally don't watch TV because if I really get into something, I'm like committed. And so, um, just to keep me from wasting my time, I generally don't, uh, don't watch, but you know, I'm home. And so what, one thing I did do over the last couple of days with the family, I watched, um, I found this really great series um on Netflix. It's called The Stranger. And well, I, you found that. You, found yeah, okay. Maybe I didn't find it. It's fine, I found it. Okay, you found it. It got found. The series got found, okay, on Netflix. <laughs> and it was good. It's a good, it's a really good series. Um it's a like a limited series. It's not like seasons. It's called The Stranger. It's one of Harlan Coben's um, uh, books. He's a famous writer anyway. Netflix has adapted a bunch of his books. And so it's called The Stranger. It is one of those that reminded me why I don't watch Netflix, because that thing had us in a chokehold. Me and... My husband was sitting there watching episode after episode, attempting to predict what was going to happen at the end. So, I, And I wanted to tell you because watching this little series reminded me of something that I think will be of benefit to you going forward. It's something... There there's a there's a there's a phenomenon that this series sort of brought an artistic light to, but that I see going on in the world and often in my own world. And watching this series um brought it to light. So that the premise behind the series, and I'm it's total, totally spoiler. So if you intend to watch it, I mean I'm not gonna tell everything, but I'm gonna tell you enough to tell you, you know, whatever. So just FYI there, but regular town, regular people going through life, family, husband, wife, kids, a few um, a few folks in a community. And one day at a random kids event, a stranger, a young woman walks up to this man and tells him a secret about his wife that he would never otherwise have known. She does not reveal herself. He doesn't know who she is for the majority of the episodes, but from the point at which he meets her and from the point at which he is given this information, the stranger then for the most part disappears and they spend the rest of the series trying to find out who the stranger is. So much chaos ensues because of the piece of information that this stranger has revealed right to this man. And then as this, as the episodes, this is a limited series, maybe seven or eight episodes. I don't remember, but as the episodes keep going, you'll see this stranger is doing this to a, a several other people. Um, she actually kind of has, has, is making a living. It's like extorting blackmailing people, but she also has like a philosophical, um, sort of drive to why she's doing what she's doing. And it begins to tear this entire community apart. People actually get murdered and all of this chaos ensues. And the thing, the thing, the consistent theme throughout is that nobody can put their finger on this stranger. It's as if she showed up She said what she had to say and she disappeared. And whatever she said upended everybody's life. And I was looking at this and I was so caught up in this show because she, this, this, this stranger had with these very limited interactions, the ability to change an entire town. She created, for lack of a better word, pandemonium in this place. And so I was thinking about that because that has like real world application, right? And I I actually looked up the word pandemonium. And when I was looking up the etymology of the word, it's actually pan, meaning all, right? The, the 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 prefix pan means all think pandemic right it was all over the world and "demonium" it's from the greek word daemon daemon where we get demon meaning evil spirit so the word pandemonium all encompassing all evil spirits confusion chaos disorder Everything's in disarray. Nobody knows what's happening. And you get this town where everybody's attacking everybody else and they're all looking in the wrong place. And what you know as the as the person watching it is that a person they don't even know how to identify is really the root of it all. They're really the source of it all. And that's so similar to life, right? Because like I'm looking at our society, right? I'm looking at our relationships. I'm looking at like marriages. I'm looking at at conversations that you could have with your sister or with your mother or with your daughter or with a coworker, with a boss. They are the relationships that bind us, that make us, that we live our lives in. But what happens is so often chaos and confusion ensues, sometimes so much so where there are little offenses or where there are misunderstandings, so much of confusion can abound that you can form an entire narrative and create an entire avatar of a person in your mind based on some perceived slight or some little piece of information you know in the in the in the show there were a couple of things i noticed about this stranger that 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 took place number 1 this stranger was very very coordinated <laughs> the stranger was, um, very intentional in how she found her victims. She studied them for a very, very long time. The stranger would, um, make sure that, that she knew everything about them. So she knew the very best way to approach them. She was very strategic and she was not random about it at all. It, really reminded me of what the scripture says about our enemy. Um, It says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's principalities and rulers and hierarchical structures that are very, very, very complex and pointed directly at what it is that will trip you up at directly at what it is that will trip me up and they're by design and they're on purpose. There's nothing random about it. And the other thing I noticed about her is that she would often drop factual pieces of information that were not the truth. I don't know if you know that a fact can be devoid from the truth. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. It's happened to me before. And I know y'all probably know what this is because the whole media world kind of works like this, right? You've seen a sound bite. You've watched the news and heard somebody say something really, really inflammatory or a salacious piece of information. And you may have responded immediately, not having the presence of mind to realize that that piece of information was devoid or divorced from the context that it was said in. And had it been received in the entire context it was meant in, it would have changed the entire meaning. I don't know if it's just me, but I have had people repeat something I said. And divorce why I said it or when I said it or what I was referring to and form an entire opinion about what I said that I didn't even actually mean what you I didn't even say what you're saying. I'm said. I'm sure it's happened to you. It's 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 a thing people do. And context matters because context provides everything. You can you can you can see someone have a response to something that can look irrational. And if you don't know why they responded that way, you will make a poor judgment about what it is that you see. So I noticed that the stranger was doing that. And what it brought to my my mind is that this is happening all around us. That show really made me see The the job that the enemy is doing in our society, in our schools, on social media, with our families, with our relationships, with our marriages, with our with our with our parental relationships, with our co-workers, with our witness. There is so much. Confusion and outrage, and offense, and anger, and that is almost like the spirit of the day. Everybody's mad about something. We can't come together and pull together about things because there is so much confusion abounding. What I realized is that there is a spirit behind the confusion. There is a spirit of confusion, in fact, The Bible says in first Corinthians chapter 14, God is not the author of that confusion. He's not the author of it. And that confusion is designed right to make sure that we all keep getting our wires crossed and that we never have the conversations that we never do the work that's needed to pull ourselves together and to really be the kingdom of God, the extension of heaven on earth. And that Netflix show really brought that to light. And so I've seen this so much. I even had a conversation um, a couple of days ago where this very thing happened. I, it was like we just kept missing each other because the no matter how much it just kept missing each other, there's a spirit at work behind that. And so I thought it would be worth exposing today because this is the root work podcast, right? This is the root where we take the root to the root and we do the work, right? So what's the root and what's the work? Well, when I was watching um, this show and when I saw what was being revealed to me about the ways that the enemy works. And when I saw how often this is happening, when I look around and I see this is just a revelation of what's happening in our world, right? I thought there were three things it would be really important to know went straight to, to the book. And I really wanted to maybe just leave three quick things, right? That I think is really important to know. First of all, the first one, we have to realize there is a spirit at work behind it, right? Part of that series I was watching, part of the problem that was happening in the community as they were experiencing all this breakdown is that they couldn't put their finger on the stranger, right? (laughs) They couldn't figure out how to find the person that was really at the root of everything that's going on. And until you realize what you're up against, you're just fighting in the air. You know what I mean? And so for us believers, we know that the just shall live by faith. We know, we know, because we read the scriptures and the scriptures tell us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We know that's quite literal. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood when I can't get it together with my daughter or with my son or with my coworker, or with someone in the community. Or you can't you and your spouse can't see eye to eye or you and your mother haven't talked in years or the family's all split up. It's because there's another spirit at work intentionally making the wires cross now okay so we know that I don't mean that in a superficial kind of way because I've heard that sort of in a super I don't want to say in a superficial way throughout my life but knowing that is not is not something you just make a declaration about and then you're like oh there, this ain't nobody but the devil. Okay, great. Now, what do we do about that? Right. That's that's the way. <laughs> that's the way my 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 spirit is set up. Okay. We know that. What do we do about it? Well, first, we have to realize exactly what that means. So, the scripture tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The New Living Translation says, "As we wrestle against uh, principalities, hierarchical demonic structures, right, princes." Demons, the New Living Translation says, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, mighty powers in the dark world, can't see in the dark, right? And evil spirits in heavenly, not earthly places. Okay, so that's what we're up against. The reality is, for believers, we know that everything in this carnal, material world. emanated from somewhere in the unseen spiritual world that is the basis of what we believe that's genesis chapter one in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of god moved above the waters and god said he said let there be light and there was light words have words are i I don't know how to grab them They're unseen. Right. Hebrews chapter 11 verses one through three tells us, especially the New Living Translation. I love the way the New Living Translation says faith, faith, what we live by, shows the reality of what we hope for. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. When you get down to verse three, it says we understand, we believers, those of us that walk by faith, understand that the entire universe, the carnal, touching, worldly universe was formed at God's command, at his let there be, at his words that can't be grabbed. Right. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So now if you understand that by faith, everything that can be seen came from what cannot be seen, faith itself allows you eyes into the unseen. Faith is like um, the means, right? The method, the, the, the mechanism, the apparatus, the, the technology, the, the, the way, so to speak, we see what is in the unseen, It's the way we please God. And what we see is that there are powers at work in the unseen realm influencing what is in this carnal realm. And if you don't accept that and grab that and hold that and know that you don't understand what's happening in all this confusion. There is a literal spirit of confusion at work whose aim is to keep us missing each other, to keep up so much craziness and stir up so much dissension and hate in our society, in our marriages, in our family relationships. If you don't know what you're fighting, you can't fight it, right? All right, so you gotta know that, number one. Number two, you still have to know how to fight him. So to know he exists is one thing. To know how to fight him is something entirely different. And because we recognize that our real enemy at the end of the day isn't your mother in law. <laughs> your real enemy isn't your um third oldest sister, right? Your enemy at the end of the day isn't your hard headed child. It isn't your husband who won't listen. It is really the sp- spirit that is at work in them. And let me just parenthetically pause right here. I don't mean that to like say bat at the air, right? I mean, there is a spirit at work in confusion and quarreling. So if I am quarreling with Petey and we can't seem to why now I'm not saying what I'm saying, so we'll just pew, 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 out in the air and say we're gonna we're gonna shoot you down, devil, who's embodying the spirit of confusion? We may both need to pause, step back, examine ourselves and see our approach because there is something at work trying to influence our behavior, trying to enact its influence on how we are approaching each other. I'm not talking about this in some high in the air. I'm talking about what spirit is at work and how you are approaching whatever it is you're having conflict with. If it's your husband, if it's your wife, if it's your kids, what spirit could be identified in your approach that is yielding the results you're getting? And I mean it that granularly. And so you have to know how to fight the enemy. Just because you know, he's there, doesn't mean you know how to fight him. Ephesians chapter six tells us how we do spiritual warfare, right? It says our our weapons are not First Corinthians 10 says our weapons aren't carnal, but they're mighty. The weapons we wage war with are mighty. They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. It says we cast down false arguments, we cast down imaginations, we cast down broken ways of thinking, broken if-then arguments that we find ourselves going to in our thought patterns. This is what the spirit enables us to do according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We cast down those things and we take those thoughts captive, bring them into the captivity under, the, under Christ. Ephesians chapter 6 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against these principalities. Therefore, it says in the New Living Translation, put on every piece of God's armor. Put on every piece of spiritual weaponry that God makes available to you. And if you go down and read Ephesians chapter 6, Paul lays out beautifully how you put on The spiritual armor you have to put on to fight your real enemy, who's got a very vested interest in remaining unseen. (laughs) Because all he wants to do is get you to think carnally and see the face of the person that you are at odds with. And as long as he can keep getting you focused on that carnal face and not the spirit at work, you can't do any work. And y'all will dance around y'all's conflict for 40 years. You'll dance around it for 40 years until the spirit that's at work behind it is dealt with. You do that by putting on what Ephesians chapter six says is the full armor, every piece of God's armor. And feel free to read it yourself. It's it's got a whole list of things, but I love the first one. I love the first one. It is the belt of truth. The first thing you have to put on to fight the enemy who is the father of lies, is the belt of truth. You have to determine to see truth, to see it as it is, to see it as God sees it, to align yourself with the spirit of truth before you can do any spiritual warfare. And you keep on reading down there. It talks about the blessed breastplate of righteousness and all those other things that you have to put on. But that's the second thing you have to do. But there's one more really important thing you have to know if you are really going to do this root work and address this hidden enemy. So this one's going to be hard. I don't know what to tell you other than this is the hardest one. Yeah, you're going to have to realize who your enemy is. You're going to have to learn how to fight him. But. (sighs) you're also going to have to realize that the confusion you might be experiencing relationally that we all are, are all experiencing as a part of our society that feels like it's almost incapable of talking and reasoning through things without this massive outrage that we see, that that the, the, the breakdowns in communication that exist familiarly and all these other ways They are a part of the all things that God is going to work together for our good. They are a part. The confusion is, in a sense, for you. It is for you and it is also for the glory of God. I am not in any way saying God has sent the confusion. God has sent the chaos. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying that his word says he's going to use all things and he's going to work them together for good. It reminds me, I wrote about this in my book. I told this story and when I was watching this movie, it was uh, this series, rather. It was so, this principle was so clear. In the African American church, um, if you've been to black church, if you've ever sat under a black minister, preacher, pastor, whatever the case, you have almost undoubtedly heard this phrase right after he probably reads the lesson text and maybe right before he tells you what the title of his sermon is he will say church turn to your neighbor and say (laughs) and when he says that it's either the title of his lesson or he'll give you the title of his lesson and then he'll tell you to turn to your neighbor and restate it maybe it's a subheading maybe it's something along those lines right and it's like an intentional device it's a memory device it's really effective it's a memory device in a sense to cement the idea in the mind of the listener right obviously teachers know that when you get engaged with learning when you have to say a concept back it helps you to it helps it to cement helps you to remember it and so what you get accustomed to is turning to your neighbor and saying xyz look at your neighbor and say god is gonna fix it and you're saying it to your neighbor right which is encouraging in a sense but sometimes 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 we take this turn to your neighbor concept (laughs) and when we are in these moments where the enemy is at work trying to create massive confusion, we take the turn to your neighbor concept and we begin to apply it here. Right. And so we've got all the truth in the world for our neighbor. Right. We've got all the word in the world for our neighbor. We can tell our neighbor every single place where they are off and where they are being hypocritical and where they need to get themselves together and where things need to change. We've got everything in the world for our neighbor. But sometimes, more often than not, I dare to say, the word ain't for your neighbor. The situation isn't for your neighbor. It's for what God is trying to do in you. You. Right. The stranger, the enemy, the spirit of confusion actually loses so much of his power when you don't turn to your neighbor. When you take the moment, the situation, the confusion, the chaos, and when you drop to your knees and say, God, what are you doing in me Oh, oh, that's when, <laughs> that's when all bets are off. That's when the Holy Spirit can really start doing some work because the reality is, is when I read the words of Jesus, when I really go back and I read the the, the Sermon on the Mount and all of the things that Jesus taught, and you guys have probably heard me say this before, the word is talking to me. He's talking to me about addressing me. And I know this is not fun. This is not something you want to hear, especially if you feel that you've been actually wrong. And I have been there, actually lied on, actually misquoted, actually misrepresented, actually misused. Yet, The word, even in those moments, is still to me. Oh, man. You want to talk about having to put on um, your big girl pants? You want to talk about having to grow up in Jesus? You want to talk about doing your, 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 your spiritual maturity and doing your grown people work? You're talking about those moments where what you really wanna do is turn to your neighbor and let them have it. Not because you're mean and vengeful, but because they actually deserve deserve it because they really did lie on you because they really did misrepresent you because they really are partaking in this spirit of confusion. But let me tell you the reality. And when I wrote my book, Surrender the Unlikely Path to Purpose, at the end of the day, the thesis is this. When you stop and obey God like he said, the most unlikely outcomes happen when you are most inclined in your flesh to want to bow up, (laughs) to want to fight, to feel that indignation, to want to let somebody have it. And you stop, you ground yourself in God and you read the words of scripture and you see what they're saying to you. If you have an honest heart, it will keep you from turning to your neighbor. Because you will hear Jesus say, if your brother offends you, forgive him. I don't, I don't understand, Jesus, why I have to forgive a guilty person. It's not something you understand. Remember earlier I said we walk by faith. Faith is the mechanism, the way, the technology, the, the, the apparatus. It's the connection that lets us see something more than this carnal reality. And if you're going to do life as a believer, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to have to walk by something other than your carnal eyes. Because what is being asked of you is otherworldly, It's kingdom. But do you know why? It's because what's being produced in you when you do it is otherworldly. That is what purpose is all about. So when the spirit of confusion rises up and you read the word that says, get the beam out of your own eye before you go trying to get the speck out of somebody else's baby. Something gets produced in you by that act of obedience that's otherworldly. You hear what I'm saying? When what you really want to do is demand that these people respect you and you instead model respecting them. Mm that's otherworldly. When you really want to be heard and you want them to stop talking and listen to you, but you instead model patience and listening and what you do is live the thing you really want back, something happens in the faith realm that not only Opens up the heavens for God to work on your behalf. But he starts doing something in you that's not of this world. I know, I know it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But stop demanding from somebody else. Stop requiring that they go first. And you model it because the very gospel of Jesus Christ is a modeling of God going first. And he was the most innocent of all. (laughs) Now, if Christ, who did no sin and no God was found in his mouth, could get on a cross first and model love. Surely we who say we follow him, we who say we are believers, we who call ourselves his disciples, the ones who learn from him can certainly do really simple things like, oh, I don't know, love our enemies. And maybe they're not that simple, but maybe the whole point of the cross was to model what's really capable when you will humble yourself under the hand of God. And so At the end of the day, I saved that one for last because that one's not that one's not cute. Nobody wants to eat that pill. Nobody wants to eat the pill that at the end of the day. You might have to go first, even if you're not guilty, even if you're innocent, even if they're guilty. But what I promise you is this what God is producing in you because you will come under him in obedience You can't get any other way. There's something lived out faith produces in the believer. That just isn't available in those who walk after the flesh. And that's just the long and short of it. You only do it if you trust God. You only do it if you walk by faith. You only do it if faith is the way you move. You only realize that it's for you. It came not to you, but for you, for your perfecting, for God to produce something in you, for you to qualify for something else when you pass this test. And so if I had to leave you with something, it would just be this. And I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know, what I live, what I've lived. I'm telling you what I've failed to do what God taught me to do and what I now know is true if I had to leave you with something it would be you are not going to know the authority the purpose the glory even that God wants to get from your life until you realize it came for you and until you humble yourself under the hand of God for what it is he wants to do through you So I challenge you, I challenge you to see the confusion differently. I challenge you to grow up into the fullness of what God has called you to. I challenge you to have eyes to see and ears to hear what the spirit of God is really saying to you. So that you can have that other worldly power produced in you until next time keep doing the work along the route i'm praying for you god bless you see you next time